0: Business Class is brought to you by the Tourism Academy, harnessing the power of science, business psychology, and adult education to advance the tourism industry and build sustainable economies. Learn how to engage your community, win over stakeholders, and get more visitors at tourismacademy.org. So my name is Jordan Menzel, and I'm the founder and general manager of Maple Grove Hot Springs and Retreat Center. What, how would you describe this place to somebody who doesn't know? It, we are a wellness retreat center that happens to have hot springs. And we have experiences to join us for a few hours in our hot spring pools. We have experiences to stay overnight with your friends or your family or even just yourself. And then we have experiences that allow groups of all types from yoga studios to couples therapists to corporate teams to rent our space around their objective. But all of those experiences have the connective tissue of getting people off-grid. We are a cell phone and Wi-Fi free space. They get people into communal mineral pools to have pretty... Um, uh, diverse, dynamic, intersecting conversations, um, and get to know folks from lots of different walks of life. And then to have a really restful night here. We have a range of camping, van spots, yurts, cabins, and then as you can see, we're making um, some stone shelters that have been years in the making, and so lots of different ways to be here. Describe for me a time when you felt most proud of it. yeah oh my gosh so many I'll, I'll tell you one um we realized that our mission was becoming really really clear when um i started to learn that not only were folks coming up here for all the reasons you might expect of you know outdoor recreation experiential tourism um, getting even off grid and having a quiet, safe space, particularly during the pandemic, uh, were very easily a socially distancing space. Um, but even before all of that, we learned that a lot of guests were coming here for their own personal uh, health, mental, and physical wellness program. And a wonderful woman named Janet had come here as a guest unbeknownst to us. And we met her like all of our other guests. And then she started coming back uh, weekly as what turned out to be part of a regiment for her processing the fact that she would no longer be able to withstand the impact of chemo and her age. And that um, this place would be kind of one of her weekly traditions as she embraced uh, her end of life plan, which is ultimately what happened. And so Janice came here as a regular, Um, her ashes were spread over our waterfall amphitheater and there's a small stone for her. And um, when we considered all the use cases, college students partying, uh, a bunch of friends coming out for a rowdy night or Janice, just making peace with the end of her time here, it became so clear that uh, without even really caring what business was to be found there, that this space, every decision we would make, uh, our litmus test was, does this advance Janice's goal or doesn't it, or does it impact it? And if in service for someone like her, uh, we all probably have something to gain from that experience. And so that uh, learning that what we created wasn't just for fun, but actually for substance and purpose um, has informed how we think about the space and how we think about our guests and how we think about our guidelines and, and ultimately the business decisions that we make. And so knowing people come here to be well, which is our mission, uh, is extremely rewarding. It's encouraging. It's also uh, feels like a deep now sense of responsibility. And so even our contractors, our interns, our employees carry the weight of... Uh, folks who are bringing all sorts of needs here that are not, you know, on the surface uh, brought to our attention but we know we're serving in some way. How was it for you making a decision to start this? Yeah, I was an individual who have has worked in a lot of different careers. I have a background in politics and international development and a long time in tech startups and software and so I've experienced a lot of different work environments and long before here I hit my own uh, peak of I should say not peak my own trough of mental unwellness and unhealth and well I wouldn't say I was suicidal for the first time probably five to six years ago I experienced total lack of imagination for tomorrow for projects, for schemes, and I'm a very uh, scheme projecty person. So that was new for me, and so I quit that job without a real understanding of what I would do next and uh, laid out kind of a core set of personal objectives and that led me to a really rewarding job back in a field I love of international development. But I'd always known that I deeply desired to have a, a um Take a risk and <laughs> what's what's going on over here? You know what? I have to complain they didn't give us any sunscreen, so I used what was available. Lime, Lime. and it's it's great to be here. So thanks so much. As long as it's it's bill approved and you've signed our waiver, I'm fine with it. Organic. There you go. um I, going into that role, I knew, you know, I think I'm just someone who every few years is probably going to pull the plug with no real reason um, and in order to try something new. I found that for me, my mental wellness comes from actually being in a pretty uncertain, uncomfortable state of real stretching. And I'm I'm at my best then. and And so I... Uh, decided to go out on a hunt for some, I had saved up a little money to try and find some land for an experiential-based retreat center. And I was nearing the end of a year looking for land and I didn't find any and I came here and this happened to close for business about a week later. And this used to be an abandoned, not abandoned, but a fairly dilapidated property that ultimately closed for business in its final gasping breath in 2018. And so, while I didn't come here to consider this place, I came here having dedicated a year to a hunt that was unsuccessful. And so when I when I heard that this place closed, I had already come here and imagined, you know, projected my thinking and dreaming on how special this place could be. And so that, you know, in a matter of a month, turned into a pretty pretty quick process to make the commitments to uh, get in touch with the owner, ultimately put a transaction and an agreement in place. And then, yeah, at that point, since, Uh, It's felt like an easy decision only because I fully committed myself and there really wasn't another option. I didn't come into this with a lot of resources and so it required a lot of lending and creativity and partners and and customers and guests and uh, and a lot of scary moments for sure, but I already knew that what I valued much more than money which I learned in the software industry was my time and that I would be delighted to trade my time if it meant I could meet new people, uh, work land, um, steward a space and particularly experience the space that we're stewarding, which for me has been extremely healthy and integrated with my family and my life and ultimately created a lot of freedom and I now still choose to use it all here <laughs> and so that's made it an easy but really you know you can tell lots of stories about what has had to happen to make it work <laughs> well tell me a story about uh, your role as a steward for the property and for the springs yeah so we have a mission like I mentioned um, and as an organization, we view ourselves as an organization of people, employees, guests, neighbors, uh, our county, Franklin County is one of the more economically challenged counties in in Idaho. Um, And so those stakeholders, it's really important for us, it was for me to make sure we identify a mission for our stakeholders. And that mission is to be well, within the bodies we inhabit the wilderness we steward and the communities we gather and so that's a mandate for us to operate as much as a business as a community center oriented around preservation of our ecosystem um cultivation of healthy communities across diverse economic uh, ethnic cultural religious lines and uh and to make sure that we're extremely thoughtful about how we connect all that together. And so um, we, so stewardship first and foremost uh, is something that I view as a community activity. And so we have a wilderness restoration committee that's comprised of individuals across our guests and other field expertise and we've also committed a tremendous amount of our own resources towards not only preservation initiatives here but we are on historic shoshone land Um, this was a winter camp long before it was a homestead and before it was private parcels that have chipped away at hot springs and camping and hotels and so as a result um, we have a really healthy thriving partnership with the northwestern band of the shoshone tribe and their initiative down river which is the creation of the boa ogoi cultural and interpretive center which is one of the first ever indigenously funded and managed soon to be um cultural centers that also pays real education and tribute to what was the largest native american massacre west of the mississippi the bear river massacre so we and Darren Perry, the former chairman of the tribe, is on our wilderness restoration committee. And so stewardship of this space uh, seems like one small component of how we think about stewardship. We're the only, one of the only private entities on this entire reservoir. And so we view that really as, as kind of a regional commitment. And our responsibility is to move really slow with what we do and don't do here. And so construction is uh, three years in the making. Everything else that exists here has largely been a cleanup or restoration of what is already here. Um, and uh, And so we believe deeply in permaculture principles, which is resist the knee-jerk reaction to transplant what looks to be a, a trend dia and instead, observe the space the customers the land and figure out what that healthy footprint is and then make you know some real permanent solid decisions and we have a i have a saying around our design generally which is if something has to be built and that's a big if let it be very simply designed naturally built and thoughtfully placed But most things do not have to be built. And instead, what we have oriented ourselves for as stewards is a renaturalization. So most of this property used to be camping or freeform cars and trailers and RVs. We've reoriented ourselves towards a major restoration of of this space and we'll kind of only continue to do that more and more. How would you like your guests to describe you? Um, As just another maniac hot springer who loves this place as much or more than they do. And who is ultimately just another customer who is thinking about the same concerns they are, worried about the same prices they see, um, sensitive to the same crowds they are, and who is not going anywhere. And who is the first to get in line to hop in a pool, but also the first to get in line to clean that pool. And my joy comes from planting the trees, changing the sheets, building the wall, and chatting with customers, and I've learned that uh, there's a real beauty in being radically vulnerable about what you know, what you don't know, what you've got figured out, where you need help, and work and inviting people to see that and team up where they feel called to. Because if I have found great health getting out of some of the system that modern society orients us towards, which is consumption and busy days and connectivity and, and smartphones and social media, my sense is that a lot more people would benefit from switching it up and working in a format that they weren't even aware was possible. Even if just for a weekend, and uh, and so I like to raise my hand and say we need help, and also really follow through with the things we say we're going to do, and so that's how I'd like people to. See. Explain to me how you define family and and involvement with in your family. Yeah, so my family, for sure, I I, I think of this as very. Uh, broadly but um, thankfully you know my my mom uh, my partner Janie we had our first one of our first dates here was the first time we found maple grove and so it's been a part of our relationship for better or worse since really the day we met and at the time my daughter was five and now she's nine and so she's grown up here and we I've mentioned this idea of work-life integration. We talk a lot about work-life balance, which is you go to the office and then you come home and you offset that with Family time, and you think there's this balance, and and we're all struggling with that. It's the complexity of our time. This environment has been interesting because it's allowed work-life integration. Um, It's not uncommon to be up here with my mom janie my daughter her friends my friends we might even be working on something but we're also operating we have guests in our team and uh neighbors pop in and if you were to ask me well, is this a weekend or is it work or is it even a monday i don't i've lost track of days i've lost track of you know what is work and what isn't um and that is and so that so family is has become, you know, our Clark, who we've worked with for three years, who's now my next door neighbor at home in Salt Lake City. Uh, Bill, who's been with us, same thing, for three years. All of our teammates and team members, we have a shared staff house. So we're also, you know, communally living in that regard and that has family rules and norms. And, uh, and uh, Josh, one of our youngest team members. uh, doesn't have a family and his grandma has taken him in and Josh has been a part of our family now for three years as a volunteer and intern and the line there has blurred between brother, son, employee, you know. We aren't sure what we are for each other but we know we're committed to uh, each other uh, as, as years and, and the, the glue has been this place so I just certainly didn't expect a teenage son in the process. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned your mom. Yeah. How are you most like your mom? Yeah oh I'm most like my mom in that in my free time when no one's looking you'll find both her and I out staring into the distance gathering rocks and making a little wall that probably no one will ever see. She by training is an amazing business owner and interior and exterior designer architect and i uh, didn't appreciate it at the time but as i've aged and dove into design oriented projects um, uh, it's inescapable for both of us to not become fixated with the social and physical environment, and how it's impacting ourselves and a group. And so both of us will be buzzing around, uh, very sensitive to the way an environment orients ourselves and those around us. And we're um, each delusionally optimistic about what can be done and how long it might take. And <laughs> I, I attribute that Uh, you know it's a it's a burden for those around us but a real uh thankful uh dose of naivete that pushes us into some pretty hairy territory and you're looking at that um may 27th right? but we may 27th we've got 20 days to go and we usually make it out you know (laughs) um what's the best piece of advice you've ever given boy the less, best piece of advice i've ever given um that's so funny i i always feel like i'm giving all sorts of advice the best piece of advice uh okay, okay i know what i'd give i feel like we are living in an era that is making it all too easy to be unoriginal in your career path, even your hobbies, possibly your beliefs, because we have a community and a media and a social media that orients us towards homogeneity and trends, and our society validates those, And it robs us of the hard space to really get to know ourselves and to identify what is original for us, and then how does our interpretation of that translate to our contribution. And are we originally creating? And so I tend, whether it's given as advice or just me opining (laughs) from my armchair of life, to be yearning and encouraging others to find their original sense of self and then to be unyielding in their original art that they're creating whether that's in work family or or hobby